Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Welcome back. Fill her up. <laughs> We're at a gas station. Yeah, welcome back for real, man. Except we dispense wine at this gas station. <laughs> John had his headphones on backwards, and he just like coyly and discreetly flipped them around, and none of you were aware until I opened my big mouth. Yeah, I'll be posting videos of that. We should do that. Now, video no. podcasting is like too much. I no. don't know anything about video production anyway. And people will see that I'm naked. <laughs> so what's going on? You haven't done anything interesting these days, have you? Uh, I don't know, Frozone. What's up with you? <laughs> Frozone. <laughs> Where's my suit? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought I had to go to Colombia, South America to see The Incredibles, but I, I did end up watching that when I was down there. Incredibles. Yeah, in English, too. They oh, you made, saw it in English there. Yeah, they made me watch Lord of the Rings in in Spanish with American subtitles. That was probably torture. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I didn't mind that at all. So, yeah, I just got back from South America, took a little trip down there for 10 or 12 days. Frodo. Had a, did not meet him there. <laughs> was not there. Had a good time, though. Have a have a special lady friend down there. Spent some time with uh, her and her family. They gave me a, a tour of the uh, the country. Well... At least the parts in and around Bogota, uh, in which they live. Well, they live in a suburb of Bogota called Chia. Chia. Yeah, it sounds like a great trip. Everyone should get out of this country, see the world. So, what's new in Bogota? Well, it's it's a big city, you know, seven million people. Wow, is that big? Yeah, it's pretty large, and I mean. It had a New York City vibe. I mean, there were no really gigantic skyscrapers or anything like that, but there's clearly some money there, and uh, there's some really cool things to do there. The the Museo del Oro, the gold museum, the Museum of Gold, showing all... They have a lot of Inca... Incan... Incan? Incan. Incan treasures there, and I have some photos I'll show you after we tape the show. And we went to their National Museum, which has a lot of paintings of Spanish military people who probably killed a lot of native Indians. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that building was really cool. Typical Spanish colonial architecture, and it was a prison, actually, before uh, oh, yeah? before they turned it into a museum. And I have some pictures of that, too. I'm not sure what to say about the trip, and I'm, I'm, I'm still absorbing the whole thing, because I've never really traveled internationally until I went to South America last week. I always pictured myself going to Europe before South America, having hmm. relatives in Poland and Eastern Europe and relatives outside of London and, and Reading, England. Yeah. But who knew? If a year ago you told me I'd meet a, an interesting South American woman and I'd be spending all this time with her and then I'd go to South America to, to be with her, I would have said, yeah, right, whatever. Yeah, you're smoking the pipe. You're on the crack. The peyote, man, lay off. Well, for all the people who don't know about South America, uh, myself included, uh, what's the weather like, the the uh, scenery, that kind of stuff? Well, Bogota is in, is in the... Um, the Andes, really. I mean, it's on one side of the Andes, so the mountains, uh, it's very mountainous. I mean, you would feel at home there. We live pretty close to the Adirondacks. 
Uh, they're just north of the equator, so they don't really have seasons, you know. And midday, it was hot. I mean, the air temperature was probably only 75, but because the sun is like straight up and so powerful, I mean, you would burn if you spent any serious amount of time in the sun. But the weather was just heavenly. I mean, it was hot. You know, the sun was so intense where when you had parked your vehicle for a while, you needed to open the doors and air it out. I mean, it was like, you know, June here or something like that. So black leather is actually fatal. Yeah, black leather car seats would be fatal. It was pretty exquisite. I mean, I had such a good time. Bogota itself is is huge in this suburb, Chia. I don't know, about seventy thousand people in it, I think, huh. and they live in a what by my observations tell me were a pretty standard middle class home. When what's interesting about the the suburbs is that you know here we know we live in an area where there's a lot of dairy farming done right, and there's a clear delineation between city and country. There aren't cows in the city, right. You drive a block from her house, and the people with a little less money that still need farm animals for sustenance have cows and hens in their backyard grazing, you know, just down the road. I was awakened every day by a rooster. Yeah, well, they do make noise in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, and they did. And there was this neighborhood dog who felt compelled to bark at 4 a.m. every day, too. Mr. Perro. El Perro. But it was. Just, I'm still kind of taking it all in and, and, and processing the whole trip. But it was it was pretty remarkable. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to talk about the concept of travel. You know, I mean, I, I departed from Syracuse Airport, right? I, I departed at about noon, so it was midday. So and you go the into same this time zone, right? They are until summer when we change our clocks okay. until late spring. So you know, you go to the airport. You get frisked and x-rayed and mugged and all kinds of stuff. And then you wait and then they tell you to board and you get into this room, which has a couple of rows of seats and an aisle in the middle. And then you have this sensation of movement and then really no sensation of movement for a really long time. And then you hear a screech and some things hit, you know, the wheels hit the ground and you get off in a building that looks remarkably like the one you were in a little while ago before you got on the airplane. My point being... For example, we were traveling from Atlanta to Bogota at night. I had no sensation of having gone anywhere. I mean, when I was a kid with my family, for example, my dad is, is Clark Griswold, so we always took a car. <laughs> and you have a sensation of having been and gone somewhere because the scenery is always moving past you. And you're being tortured. Yeah. But when you're flying over the, the Caribbean at night, you have no idea that you were actually going anywhere. And suddenly you get out at an airport that looks kind of like all airports and there you get outside and there's a bunch of cars that kind of look like the cars that you saw when you left and if the people weren't speaking they don't look all that different you know mm-hmm. so the concept of travel is really weird i can't even prove to you that i was on another continent because you know what i mean and you could have picked up this mug anywhere yeah the mug that i got for john the cafe de colombia mug the twisted rent wreckage of a coffee mug that it is it looks like you took a coffee mug uh, rectangular that, that was coffee square, mug, yeah. and you twisted it. Yeah, it's like while the clay was still wet, you held the top and you held the bottom, and you just twisted it. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty degrees or something like that. Maybe I'll throw a picture up, but uh, I'm trying to drink the wine out of it. I'm, I've put my tiki head down for this show, and uh, I'm trying to drink out of this thing, and I'm, it's turning into a dribble glass, is what it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you always do that anyway. I mean, that's that's nothing new for you. Um, so yeah, the trip was really cool. Um, we went to this really amazing club, uh, geez, what was it called? Andres Canas del Rey or something like that. And it's about half of a city block, at least the city blocks around here. It wasn't Labop. It wasn't Labop <laughs> from 
not Ottawa. That was Hull, Hull Quebec. Yeah, that was on Hull. the other side of the river. And this club is just gigantic. It's got a capacity of over a thousand people, and it's actually in Chia, about a five minute walk from where my friend Rocio lives. And this is the club that all the people from Bogota go to to party. You know, famous politicians and actors and actresses and sports people in Colombia. It's really expensive to even enter the place. And it's just gigantic. It's got outdoor tables on the entire, all the way around the entire outside of the club. And inside, there's just dance floors and tables around the dance floors and kitchens and bathrooms. And there's, it's just filled to capacity every night of the week. And we were there on a Saturday, and the party was just banging. I mean... Wow, what a good time. As I mentioned to you before, I've been to some pretty big music trade shows like the NAMM show where companies like Yamaha and Roland sponsor big parties that probably cost five, six figures, you know, mm-hmm. and all the spirits they give away and the food and they're in a, a ballroom the size of a football field. Thousands of people at these things. But this club outdid any sort of party environment I've ever been in in my life. It was such a good time. And as you know, I, I ride my bike pretty pretty extensively in the summer and I ride the trainer in the winter. And who would have thought, you know, doing 200-mile weeks during the summer that 30 minutes of merengue dancing would have killed my knees? <laughs> it would have killed my eyes if I saw that. <laughs> I, well, they tell me I wasn't so bad for a tall white guy, a gringo, you know? <laughs> That's their nice way of saying, please leave. Oh, man. No, it was fun. And then, of course, we got out of that club at 2 a.m., and I had a, a 5 a.m. wake-up call for the airport on Sunday. Yum. <laughs> I can't stand... The airport experience. I mean, I, I like to travel and I like to fly. I mean, I actually like being on the plane and flying. I like that sensation. It's a lot of fun. But I cannot stand the airport experience, especially when they break things on you. Well, my layover was Atlanta, which is one of the biggest airports in the world. Mm-hmm. And I must say it's very efficiently laid out. And my trip to Columbia was was wonderful. I had about an hour, hour 45-minute layover. And I um, that allowed me to you know use the bathroom, wash up a little... And but the subway is so fast on underneath all the terminals that you can literally get from one end of the airport to the other in five minutes, huh. and it's a gigantic airport with like seven terminals, seven, you know, A through E, and then there's like an S and a T. I don't know, they skip letters or something. It's really weird. I don't know what what the hell they were thinking. But the way back was a little weird though in the airport because my layover was a little shorter, and it took twenty minutes for me to even for the bags to even begin appearing, let alone me finding mine. And then you have to go through customs again. And and then I had to get to the plane, and I was really nervous I was going to miss my flight. But because the airport was so efficient, I, I made it with time to spare and got home on time, thankfully. Just in time to not watch the Super Bowl, in fact. <laughs> you didn't miss anything? Nah, I didn't. I didn't really care. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I'll talk about my travels more when I've processed it a little more. Well, I'm going to hit you up for some other questions here. What about the food, man? Food. Food. Well, you know, it's a very rice and potato-based um, food culture, you know, I, I don't think they even had wheat flour in their house. So as far as my food allergy goes, it really wasn't an issue. I brought food. I had to eat none of it. Well, I brought breakfast cereal and I did, I did eat my cereal for breakfast typically because they're very egg, eggy, you know, and I didn't want to do too much. I, I cook with eggs, but I, I bake with eggs, for example, but I don't eat scrambled eggs all that frequently. But I did once or twice when I was there because they're all like organic, you know, Straight out of the chicken. The next door neighbor's hen, yep. you know? And, and so I was pretty confident in the um, the source. But, I mean, they have all these really cool vegetables, and most of which I've never heard of or seen before. And she cooked them all for me, and it was there was a lot of rice and potatoes. And it was very safe. Taro? Taro? No, there was no woman there with cards. No, the, the, uh, the vegetable. I'm not familiar with that vegetable. 
It's a good one. It's like a potato. Well, the one vegetable whose name I remember was Kubios, C-U-B-I-O-S, and it looks like Alf's nose. It's kind of this <laughs> twisted, rent-looking, you know, craggy, like like ginger, looking ginger, thing. Yeah. but not quite as craggy as that. And uh, it's white on the outside, purple on the inside, and that was delicious. And there was this like sweet potato slash squash thing that she prepared with baked with spices, and that's one of the most delicious vegetables I've ever had in my life. Mm. I have photos of some of the food. Good. I actually photographed it because I thought you'd be interested. We should post some of these photos. Well, I have five megabyte files of everyone on disk, so and we're gonna put them all on the site. Yep, It'll take people forty five minutes somebody, to download the page. Somebody wanted me to put all my photos up so they could see them and. That's a lot of work. Yeah, I don't know. I might actually, there's a Unix, there's a Linux tool, a command line tool that'll um, do any command to an image, you know, scale it down and you can do, use wildcards. So Mm -hmm. you can actually select the whole directory and bam, take all of my images, which are 7.1 megapixels and make them 1024 by 768 or something. And then I might upload them all because that wouldn't be that that, that too bad for, because there's a couple of people who want to see them, but... Long and short of it was food was not a problem. They um, they make these things called arepa, which are kind of like potato pancakes, but they're corn. They're corn pancakes. Mm. And they're really good. And how do I know that the flour was gluten-free and had no wheat flour in it? Because they took dried corn and used their own mill in their utility room and ground their own flour in <laughs> front of my eyes. So that's how I knew yeah. that that flour was gluten-free. Yeah, it's always good when you can see the food being manufactured. Yep. Good stuff. So, yeah, I'll talk about it a little more in the future and uh, when I process it a little more and can actually think of some uh, some more unique stories that were, uh, you know, interesting to me. But all in all, the trip was, was amazing and uh, I had such a good time and I'm probably going to go back in six months. Cool. Welcome back, Cotter. Anyways. Uh, okay, Frozone. <laughs> what I've got here to drink, and we're already starting on it, is uh, some Italian wine. You know, and as Italian as I am, I really don't know anything about Italian wine. <laughs> Maybe I shy away from it because I've had so much wine when I was a kid or growing up. Um, that didn't sound right. I had so much wine, you know, <laughs> being on the table. You know, it wasn't like we're all alcoholics. But uh, I, John we, still has fetal alcohol syndrome. That's right. <laughs> My eyes are red constantly. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just so used to the typical Italian wine, you know, the, the jug or the... The, the Chianti. Yeah, the Chianti. And uh, it was just awful stuff, but uh, this is some good stuff. This is a Palazzo della Torre. It's a 2001 Veronese. Good stuff. You know, I just remembered one thing I wanted to say about Colum- my trip to Colombia. We hear all of these things about not traveling in Colombia, and never once did I feel unsafe in that country, you know? I mean, the first day I was there, I was very self-conscious about being an American, and I, I probably imagined that these people were staring at me. But, you know, once I got comfortable in my own skin... And we went out in public a lot more. Never once that I feel like there were any issues uh, involving me being an American traveling in, the, in that country. So I would really recommend going. Well, if you I know, know what, somebody, it's always better. I mean, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I, when I go to Canada, I mean, I, I feel like I stand out when I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> I could see where you'd think that. Okay, never mind. Um, film. Yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of films lately. In fact, I've seen more films than I usually do. And that's like one. Actually, two. Right. Yeah. So what did you uh, what have you seen? I saw this little film called Me and You and Everyone We Know. Right. I saw that film too actually a bunch of months ago. So why don't you talk about it cuz it's a little, probably a little bit more fresh in your mind than it is in mine right now. Yeah, and and uh if people are hearing a lot of uh noise here, it's it feels like we've got me and you and everyone I know in this house right now. A little because bit noisy. they are. Cuz they are. They know. just got home, I guess. It's a family life thing. Yeah, I think this is 
this is just an amazing film for me because it was um, I don't know even though it was it was not as realistic as uh, film as I've ever seen but it was honest it was completely honest and mm-hmm. I think that the way it was honest is that it showed people's real emotions they wore their emotions on their sleeves a lot of these characters spoke right from the heart um, more forthcoming than people usually are when they first meet and it was a lot about relationships and the way people communicate with each other. Yep, yep. I thought it was a uh, uh, wonderful freshman work from uh, the director and writer. What was her name? Miranda July. She's a performance artist. She's done a lot of stuff. She's done uh, musical recordings, um, like I said, performance art, painting, I think, photography, filmmaking, videos. Um, she does a lot of videos. And in fact, in the, the film, she plays a video artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, she's... She's on this odyssey to get her work in a in a museum and and I'm not even I'm not even going to talk a lot about the plot because if I talk about the plot it doesn't really do it justice because it's not really about what happened it's about how the things happen and how people communicate with each other um, but it really shows about how there are ways that people can communicate and and how uh, people make connections and almost saying that there's someone out there for you and there's always someone out there who can can uh, communicate unlike me, uh, who can communicate um, maybe directly to your heart, I guess I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and those two people were definitely kindred spirits. Yeah. The two people that found each other. Actually, more than two people found each other in this yeah. movie. And, and it shows how um, sometimes some people are saying one thing and meaning another, but mm-hmm. uh, and other people are saying exactly what they mean. Um, there's this interesting little... Uh, trio of people these these two high school kids and this older guy and they're they're sort of batting back and forth these uh i don't know verbal jabs and they're taunting each other i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go too deep into it but the guy when it comes down to it he's really just talking he's not he doesn't mean the things he says um whereas uh, miranda july's character and and john hawks who plays a, a a dad who's going through a separation they are the two people who say exactly what they feel. Right. And and they're they're very, very honest. And this may be a silly question. I don't remember. Did I talk about this film when I saw it? Did did I review this film in one of our older shows? Are we are we repeating ourselves here? We might be, but I, I didn't don't know. see it. You hadn't seen it yet. This film made many, many critics top ten best two thousand five films list or whatever you want to call it. It's it's a wonderful piece of work. Very quirky. The the Miranda July's character, in addition to being a performance artist on the show, trying to get her work shown in the local museum of modern art, she, I guess to, I don't know if she's volunteering or she's making any money on this at all, but she runs this <laughs> thing called Elder Cab, yeah. where she picks up elderly people and drives them to wherever they need to be. And my initial thought upon seeing that was that that alone would have made an interesting film. Her <laughs> conversations with the various people who she becomes very good friends with, even yeah. towards the end of the film, she... um wow <laughs> it's like there's a weightlifter up there and just they just did a clean and jerk and dropped the weights on the floor I, I love the one line that she has when she hands her card over she says if you're feeling too old to drive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very nice piece of work though i would certainly recommend it i'd give it um i'd give it nine carrots I, i'd give it three thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> what about that other piece of homework we've been talking about for about Eight weeks now. Yeah, Broken, Broken wings. wings. We finally got to that. I finally saw it. Rich saw it. Yeah, and, and again, since it's a little fresher in your mind, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Okay. this It's an Israeli film. Uh, takes place in uh, Haifa, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's a, a, a family, a mother who's got uh, three children, a daughter, uh, an older son, and uh, a very young, young son. son. Actually, there's a younger daughter, too. Rich is urinating in a cup. Um, so anyways, this family is, is trying to make it, um, and you get the idea that the father died somehow, but you don't really get the, the whole right, story right. until near the end. Um, the older daughter is a musician, songwriter. Um, mm-hmm. the older mm-hmm. son seems to be essentially disillusioned with life. Well, he's very troubled yeah. by the breakup, probably. Well, by the death of his father, by a lot of things, you know. Yeah, uh, there is a, a younger son, too, because he right. becomes a major plot point in the yes. end. Yeah, and there's the actually four children. So there's mm-hmm. a there's a a young daughter, a young son, uh, an older daughter, an older son. Right. Um, they're teenagers, older teenagers. So they're not fifty. High school. Yeah. Um, and again, I really don't like giving away the entire plot of films because you know part of watching film for me is discovering the plot, and and if I know the plot already, it sort of ruins it for me. So I'm not going to do that to anyone else, but. Again, showing relationships and showing how one major event in a family's life can sort of set things going in the wrong path. And, and in some in some ways, things are resolved near the end, but in, in other well, ways, they're not. But at the same time, one major event can set something going in the right direction, right. too. Right. There is another major event, uh, another uh, potential tragedy. Um, and, and it's just, it's just amazing to show how, in fact, one of the things I, I kept thinking about while watching this, this film is not necessarily how their lives were ruined or their lives were, were affected and, and the life they had is lost. It's more like, um, something major happens and they've got a new life. It's a different life. It may not be the same, may not be what they wanted or what they expected, but it's qualitatively, it's not any worse. I don't think, but I think that, um, uh, you know, for the struggle, they're they're all the better for it, really. Right, right. I thought this film was okay. I thought the plot was a little cliche. You know, we've all seen the film about the family that's in turmoil in the event. It's almost like it's an ABC after school special plot to me. I watched the film over the course of a few nights. I couldn't watch it in one sitting, but I don't think that affected my opinion of it. I mean, I thought it was a, a, a good piece of work. It was a good piece of filmmaking, but overall, I thought that the story was something I'd seen before. It was a little bit cliche for me. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I feel you're a jerk. That's how I feel. <laughs> well, at least no. I'm not a, a ninny. <laughs> you're a nincompoop. No, I think I, I, I liked it a lot more than you did, obviously. And I mm-hmm. probably liked it more because... Um, I was thinking about the maybe I was projecting a little bit on on the family because it, you know my family's had a little bit of tragedy here and there and and uh, I've tried to put my myself in that position and I could feel for them so maybe I was thinking about it too much and not looking at it as a piece of work on its own. Well, I mean, I could certainly feel for them, but and I, and I was happy that so many good things happened, like the major plot event in the end that ended up not being tragic. The mother who was a midwife and didn't make a lot of money, I think, found someone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, again, I mean, this is a story I've seen over and over again, you know, this one event that brings everybody back together. I thought the only thing that was different about it is is that this time it was in Israel, you know, (laughs) you know, it's like I I have just seen that story 10 too many times now. And I mean, I thought it was a good film, but at the same time, um, something I had seen before, you know. Uh, yes, they were speaking Hebrew or something, and it would, took place in Israel. But at the same time, I, I've seen it before in English. I don't you're, know. you're just a horrible person. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. I really am. No, and, and the I way suck. I, the way I looked at it is is sure I may have seen the same plot points again, but 
to me, I think every single uh, act may have some similarities, but the way that they they played it out, you know, I enjoyed that ride. So, I don't know. You're a jerk. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and I really didn't enjoy the song that they were recording in the film either. I really didn't well, think it was that strong. And you know what? I've I've got to agree with you there because that was that was a, a major point in the film too, where where they were playing the song and it was supposed to be this this very powerful song about and her it, father yeah and it to me it just wasn't that powerful so it, that didn't play well with me i, I just I, didn't think she was a good singer to be honest with you i mean no. if you want to move me move me with your your vocal talents i mean there are singers who can do that and I, i'm not sure she was one of them maybe they should have cast someone who in addition to being a good actress was a good singer i don't know yeah, but i mean Houston. i i i guess in the in the yeah <laughs> I guess no Bobby Brown <laughs> yeah. I guess in the large scheme of things I would give this a, a sort of thumb that's parallel to the ground you know as long as it's above the ground yeah it's not a thumbs down but it's not a thumbs up that particular DVD uh, what is it Sony I don't even remember what, what release it is in that DVD um, on the previews they show previews for a bunch of films all of which I have seen well most of them 6 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 Monsieur Ibrahim mm-hmm. and Goodbye Lenin was in there as well so many of these films I've seen at the mwpai.org and I thought they were wonderful I thought they were wonderful this film I didn't think was as strong as the bulk of the films that were that had previews in the in the in the preview section of this of this DVD definitely something I guess you should see and make your own opinion on I mean I didn't hate it but I didn't love it either well that's fair you have your opinion yeah even if it is wrong yeah so we got a (laughs) tune yeah we do what's this one called Panacea. Panacea? Sorry, it's Panacea. By? William. (laughs) William, let's check it out. (laughs) Give me what I need I got insatiable hunger I'm trying to feed Cause no matter how much I take in I can't get enough And no matter what I put out It's not good enough Always just a little touch Away from the perfection that I seek Will you take me there? I can go anytime, anyway, anywhere Because if we leave real soon Oh, we might have time to enjoy the afternoon Oh, driver, let me out of the car You gotta slow this vehicle down now Before we get too far Cause no matter how much I travel I can't go fast enough yeah, and guess if I'm coming or going, might just call my blood. 
rough Always just a little touch Truth hiding behind those telling eyes Will you take me there? I can go anytime, anyway, anywhere Because if we leave real soon Oh, we might have time to enjoy the afternoon Nice track. You know, that song makes me want to have sex with my girlfriend's mom. It really does. <laughs> oh. oh, and for those of you who don't get that reference, John, why don't you tell them about that? And her name is Mrs. Robinson. That yeah, would be, yeah. Okay. That, would, that would be the reference. A little Simon and Garfunkel feel to that song. I just got one word for you, Rich. What, Frozone? Plastics. <laughs> What was that actor's name? He was in St. Elsewhere. He was Mark Craig, the heart surgeon in St. Elsewhere. Oh, I don't remember his name. Uh, uh, brain fart. My mind is a blank. Yes, don't know. I don't know. But uh, wonderful song. That Those yeah. guys in Bill just keep pumping out the good stuff. You know, if they ever showed up around here, I'd go see them. Yeah, I'd throw tomatoes at them. So in our media-heavy show today, we're going to talk about another film. It was a film I saw two weeks ago right before I left for... Uh, where did I go? Um, you went to get some coffee somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I went to Columbia. Good Night and Good Luck, uh, kind of the Edward R. Murrow story, directed by Clooney, Mr. George Clooney, not his aunt, Rosemary. <laughs> 2005 film screenplay by George Clooney and Grant Hesloff. And it had a bunch of actors we've seen before. Patricia Clarkson that we know from The Station Agent. And David Strathern played Edward R. Murrow brilliantly, I might add. Robert Downey Jr. was in it. And I'm not, again, I'm not going to talk much like you. I'm not going to talk about the plot of this film. It's basically about the whole... um, McCarthy. Yeah, it's about the whole McCarthy era and how basically the media outed McCarthy as being a phony. And... To me, it's just very clear that what message Clooney is is making with this film. I, I don't think it can be any, any coincidence that this film was made in this this p- political climate. I mean, it's, it seems clear to me that Clooney's message is the emperor has no clothes and the media is not saying a goddamn thing about it. I mean, we've got a president that's lying to us every day and a compliant media that's just going along with it and never questioning any of their motives or anything that they say. We've talked about all of the the, the somewhat... Um, what's the word I want to use? Well, how can I be polite? These somewhat illegal activities of this administration and the media just kind of goes along with it. Yeah, what I'm a little bit upset about is, uh, and this is what happened while you were gone and it's all your fault, 
we're mm. we're, we're having uh, you know speech. There's there's an assault on speech. Free speech. Yes. Well, free or not, there's an assault on speech. I mean, at the president's State of the Union address, what happened? Tell me, I wasn't here for that. Well, two people. Oh, I two do people know wore what T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. What's yes, her name? Cindy Sheehan. Cindy Sheehan, mother of uh, a killed soldier in, in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wore a T-shirt that that listed the number of dead mm-hmm. um, in Iraq, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was the wife of a congressman, senator, um, politician. Um, and she wore a "Support Our Troops" T-shirt. And the the irony there is that you know what Cindy Sheehan, I guarantee you, supports our troops. Absolutely. And, and so, in fact, she supports our troops so much, she doesn't want them to die. Yeah. I saw during the first Gulf War in 89 that the first criminal Bush... Um, <laughs> stop. No, I mean that in every sense of the word. He broke the Geneva Convention in that war in so many different ways. But um, in the first Gulf War, what's her name? The blonde afternoon talk show woman with the big glasses. Um, Sally Jesse. Sally Jesse did a show. Despite Think what you want to think about Sally Jesse, but the show was perfect because... She had a woman on whose husband was serving in the Gulf, and the, a woman in the crowd, like in you know a Donahue type show, they go out there with the mic, and the crowd gets to ask questions. How can you not support the troops? Your husband's out there, you know, equating supporting the troops with supporting George Bush's policies, which are two different things. I absolutely mm-hmm. support our troops, but I support them to live, not to die, which is exactly what that woman's answer was. Right, and, and what ended up happening, in case you know you you're living under a rock and you haven't seen this or heard this. Um, is that both women were ejected from from the from the halls? Right. Um, except one difference: Cindy Sheehan was arrested. Yeah, and ultimately, though, she was that arrest was nullified. Exactly. And, and they they you know for for all intents and purposes that didn't really happen. But I mean, just the fact that she was invited, by the way, by a California congressperson to be there, and. I didn't think wearing a T-shirt that listed a number qualified you as being a, uh, what's the word I want? Criminal. Criminal. <laughs> well, what what's the word that you would use if you commit an act against your country during time of war? Traitor. Treason. That's the word I want. I didn't think that wearing a T-shirt that simply listed the American dead, I would have worn a T-shirt that listed the American and the civilian Iraqi dead, but, um, you know, I, I see where she's coming from, and I'm so glad she's out there doing this, but... To get back to the film, because <laughs> I knew we'd get off on a tangent. Uh, filmed in black and white, had a really wonderful feel, really captured the the feel of, I think, what was going on then. And they had a lot of wonderful real footage from the period of, of, of what was going on. And David... Um, Strathern. Yeah, David Strathern um, had such a remarkable portrayal of Murrow in this film. You really need to see it to believe it. And I would recommend that everyone see this film. And one of my favorite parts of the film, and this happened twice in the film, were moments where the Murrow character, played by Strathern, was doing a monologue word for word as Murrow would, and not would have, but in fact did do it in the 50s or whatever. And what we were seeing was a kind of a profile shot of Strathern and looking into a monitor that was the image that the camera was taking of Strathern, except the image we were seeing on the screen was the real Edward R. Murrow hmm. doing the monologue. So Strathern had to learn the, the head movements and the body language of that scene so that when he moved, it perfectly mimicked what was going on on the monitor, which was the real Murrow being projected that we could see. I think you're giving him way too much credit because I think in the, if you look at the credits of the film, Pixar did all the animation. 
Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> seriously, though. Strathern's mimicry, and I don't mean that in any bad way. Mockery. Strathern's mimicry of, of Murrow was amazing. I mean, he just totally nailed this guy. And I'm not a big Jim Carrey fan, and I, but I would compare this performance to Carrey's performance of Kaufman. Mm-hmm. He, Carrey is such a good mimic in Copycat with his body language and the way he moves his body. He absolutely nailed Kaufman in that film. And he should have got an Academy Award for his performance, in fact, I think. It was, uh, what was that film called? Um, um, you know, REM did a song about it. <laughs> Man in the Moon. Man on the Moon, yeah. And Strathern here absolutely captured the spirit and essence of Edward R. Murrow in his performance. And he should probably be considered for an Academy Award as well. Definitely something you should see. I believe in the political message that the film is making as well. Beyond that, it's just a wonderful film to see and a wonderful performance. By everyone, really. I don't know. I didn't see the film, but, you know, it's a story I've seen before. Um, It's in black and white. I mean, how many times do you see black and white films? (laughs) I know, I know. I know. To me, it was like an after-school special. It really was. Guys fighting against free speech, you know. (laughs) You see it every day on ABC. (laughs) Yeah, that's boring. I'm not going to see it. Really wonderful film. I saw you put it in your queue on Netflix, (laughs) so don't lie to me, Mr. Man. See, unlike you, I do not judge. (laughs) I saw the film. I reviewed it. What can I say? It's not a judgment. It's an opinion. While I was down in Columbia, by the way, I saw a couple of films. I saw Lord of the Rings. I'm not even sure which part that I saw. I saw the one where Frodo gets bitten by the spider. Yeah, that was after that was it, in the book. After it kind of, you know, stealthily follows him up the hill. And I also saw um, the big uh, summer Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg blockbuster. War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Pretty faithful to the story, but it seemed to me like they, and I know you know this, this trilogy of books, it seems like they combined War of the Worlds in the Tripod trilogy, because in addition to the fact that the the machines that the aliens were piloting were tripods, mm-hmm. in War of the Worlds, the classic, um, whatchamacallit story, who's the writer? H.G. <laughs> Wells. Wells. Thank you. In Little known guy. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's he? In the classic H.G. Wells story, I don't recall humans being consumed for anything. You know, they were killed, but not consumed in any sort of grotesque way. Yeah, if you go back and read that book, you're probably not going to be very, I don't know, moved, because it, it isn't really told like an action film. No, you know? but the 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 Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg film, you know, they were using, using humans in a sort of, as a, as a form of fuel or food or something at one point yeah. in the film. And it was, and considering the fact that the, the alien craft didn't float, like was depicted in the typical H.G. Wells story, they walked as tripods. You know the tripod trilogy I'm talking about, yes, right? That series of books. Read a long time ago. Yeah, it's, it's written at sort of like a junior high sci-fi level, but it's a pretty good... I think that's when I read it. <laughs> yeah, it's written at a pretty good... Uh, it's written at a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good sci-fi story, I think. Mm-hmm. I read it as an adult, actually, and really liked it. But anyway, you know, good action film, some good special effects. Beyond Dakota that, Fanning is an animatronic beast. She's she she's just, actually amazing. She's unreal. <laughs> she's she's so consistently good in every m- film that she plays. Yeah, I mean, the film itself, we all know how it's going to end, right? The human viruses kill the aliens. So, I mean, in 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 that way, it was true to the story, but um. You know, not a, not a, what's the word I want? I mean, it, it, it's an Arnold film. It's a summer blockbuster. Well, but that's it's exactly not, what it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it really didn't make anyone think. In fact, you know what it made me do? It made me vomit. It made me, <laughs> it made me a little sad because it was just way too easy for 
those aliens to die. I mean, for all, like, the, for all the planning, I mean, some major plot holes, for all the planning that they did to take over the planet, oh, they forgot to check for microbes. <laughs> well, that's not, a, that's not a, a weakness in this particular film. That's a weakness in the story in general, I think. Yeah, but I think that perhaps maybe making this film, Spielberg could have come up with something else. Yeah. Well, all in all, Spielberg's made a couple of good films, and we can't really... He's 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 known for a couple of good films. He's done a couple... Well, I'm not a big Spielberg fan, actually. I I, I, I hate the fact that all of his films end up um, being resolved. You know, like, I thought it was absolutely wrong for him to to direct the, um, the, the Kubrick film, AI. You know, Kubrick's films typically end up in a kind of vague sort of... What's the word I want? In a, they end the way they start. They're they're kind of unresolved, and yeah. they make you think. Certainly, 2001 is a great example of that. Spielberg likes to resolve every one of his films, typically with a happy ending. So I thought Spielberg, would, for example, was the wrong guy to, to do AI. I actually like that one. Um. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. So you're wrong again. <laughs> yeah, I know. And there's a blog that's declaring me 100% wrong right now. But and we'll... she's 100% right, as far as I know. <laughs> and she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't think we have anything left. I certainly don't. I don't know. I could do more, you know, bashing of you. Yeah, you could. But I don't know. What do we got? <laughs> Klaxons. Yeah. Definitely klaxons. Well, it's good to be back in the country and do a show in real time. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to be a little bit late, but better late than never. And it's long, too. Holy cats, Batman. It's 7,562 minutes. And by the way, for those who don't know, there's 2,200 Colombian pesos in American dollar. Yeah. I remember you pointed out some website that had prices on it. I said, whoa, that's huge. Gigantic. Anyway, check out the blog www.bloodyveg.com. Send us feedback at feedback at bloodyveg.com. Send us wine, which I think Martin is doing. I gave him my address. He rules. Martin, you rock, baby. Anyway, what was I going to say? Hey, remember, you're listening to VIB.